it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to share today's episode with you. I had an awesome interview with Samara Walker, aka Sam Walker of Ought to Be a Luxury Vegan Nail Lacquer Brand. And Sam was just phenomenal to have on. I love how transparent she was. I feel like she has an inspirational story and she was very open to sharing her journey in entrepreneurship and what it has taken to get her brand to where it is so far. If you're looking to start your own brand or if you're in that process, I think you're really going to be inspired by all the great, awesome things that Sam shared in this interview on today. Here's a little bit of Sam's bio. Samara Walker is a creative at heart who recognized that the products and services of the beauty industry did not fulfill the needs of people of all skin tones. With her entrepreneurial background and passion for inclusivity and diversity, Samara created Ought Be, a luxury vegan nail lacquer brand that delivers ultra-rich glossy colors to your nails. Believing everyone should be able to enjoy health-conscious, luxury products regardless of shade or undertone. Samara curated a range of inclusive nail polishes that complement every skin tone. Through the combination of creativity and beauty, Samara has redefined the expectations of what a beauty experience should offer. This is a great interview, guys. She shares so many gems, and I can't wait for you to hear it, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Bria D. Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Sam Walker. Welcome, Sam. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I'm super excited to have you. So, Sam, before we start talking about Ada B and all the great things you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Yeah, I guess something about myself that most people won't know is I was a senior financial analyst at Amazon in the advertising and finance department. So I have a strong background in financial planning, financial analytics. Um, before I started, ought to be and went into the beauty world. Wow, wow. So you went from finance to beauty, huh? Yeah, it's completely different. <laughs> it is, it is different. It's not uncommon though. You'd be surprised how many people I've met from different industries in the beauty world, nursing and all types of things, including finance as well. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, that is great. So tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, how did you get into beauty? Yeah, so my journey really stemmed from my experience with my mother. So growing up, she was a single parent and she was a nail enthusiast. That was like 
now what we day call like health and wellness before there was that like growing up as a single mother, there was no like health and wellness. It was like, you're a single mom. You do what you have to do. Right. And on Sunday, she always painted her nails. And I was like, wow, like no one would, one would think like painting your nails isn't so sacred, but for her, that was her way of having her moment to herself and feeling beautiful in the world with being a single mom and working multiple jobs and raising three kids. Um, so as I got older, I learned to like appreciate like getting my nails done and kind of going to the malls. And I would go to like these luxury luxury stores, like your Nordstrom, your Saks. And at that time, and this is, you know, not that long ago, this is 2015, 2016. I've never seen women of color or someone that I could connect to in the marketing, right? So when I would go to your Mac counter or your L'Oreal, there was never a woman of color or just a woman in general that I felt like I could connect to. And I was like, I want to create something for people where they can shop the brand and feel connected and reflected and respected within that space, right? So it got for me to a point where it was like, I don't really feel connected to the brand. I don't really see women like me. And it, it, it kind of made me feel awkward, right? So it's like, I'm supporting these brands. I'm buying these products. They have two, three shades that match me. And I'm so excited. And then like, and in all reality, they should have multiple shades, right? It shouldn't be just the two, three shades. And we're just so happy to be a part of this, you know, be, be able to purchase this Chanel or lip gloss because I have two, three shades, it should be automatically included. So when I started to think about things of that nature, I was like, I really want to create a brand that from top of mind, it's inclusive of women of color. So when I talk about top of mind, I'm talking about from A to Z, right? Not like the fourth, not, not like the ending, like most brands do like, oh yeah, let's add on four shades to be inclusive. Like from branding to color curation, to marketing, to the website, to the IG, like who do you see from the beginning to the end? And I really thought about that when I went to design my brand because I love luxury things, right? But I also want to feel like this brand reflects me and I'm going to be celebrated and not tolerated. And I think that's where the beauty industry has gone wrong for years. It's like, oh yeah, we tolerate diversity and inclusion, <laughs> but it's not celebrated because if it was celebrated, it would have been from the beginning, right? Not the ending where people are trying to say like, oh yeah, we are inclusive. Let's throw three to four shades in there. So that's really where my passion came from, from starting a beauty brand is really starting something where women of color can have a different experience and try new products and shades, which we deserve. Awesome. I absolutely agree with that. I know the industry is improving, but it, it has come a long way, yeah. and, but it still has some ways to go. And yeah. I am happy to see more brands such as yourself, you know, start up and fill the gap and create something that you saw was lacking within this industry. So I absolutely, I've seen that myself. We've all seen that me being, you know, uh, more, more chocolate. I had, I struggled for years to find products. So I absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, understand, you know, the struggle and just period having items that are appropriate for us is very important and being inclusive is important as well. So what made you decide to come up with nail polish? Like why the nails first? I know this was something that your mom was into and you got into, but what made you start a, a nail polish line? Yeah. So, well, one for my mom, because she was a nail enthusiast. So I knew a lot about nail polish. Like that was kind of like my forte. Like I knew a lot about that. 
Um, and then when I went to college, I like was a nail fanatic. Like I was that per that girl that had every single OPI color, like, oh my God, the new OPI color just dropped and I would go and buy it. And like, I created my own passion for doing my nails because as a college student, you can't afford to buy, like, if you're not rich, you can't afford to like shop designer, especially why in school. So you have to find something that really makes you find, you know, your own health and wellness. So for me, um, growing up, my mom kind of struggled with mental health. So for me, it was important for me to find something that was very sacred for me. Um, and painting my nails just happened to be my thing. So it was just kind of like a natural thing that I knew a lot about. And I wanted to start a brand from the foundation where I was going to be able to be confident, confidently talk about the product, have a genuine connection to it, right? Because I feel like when you start a brand, you have to be so passionate about it because starting as a startup from scratch, like back then, and I keep saying back then, like it was so long ago, back in 2016, now because of the whole like, you know, Black Lives Matter, supporting Black businesses, there's a slew of you know, grants and programs now realizing, okay, this is where help needs to happen. But before then it was like, you're on your own, right? So I had to do something that I knew I can basically burn myself out for years on years on years because I was so passionate about it, right? So for me, I had to really pick something that I was genuinely passionate about to start off with and then be able to expand from there. I get it. You definitely want to do something that you can talk about for years to come especially like if you're launching a brand right you want something that you don't get tired of because if it's not something that you're truly passionate about and you're starting a brand then when you lose passion for it and you will because you're not yeah. passionate about it in the first place it's going to be really hard to speak to that product and it's not going to feel genuine for you because you would care less about it. But when you truly love the product and are passionate about it, you can really dive into it. Then that's a, to that's a topic that you can continuously talk about. That's a product that you continuously push. And even when things get hard, you can still keep talking about it because right. you, you know, you know about it, you understand it and you get this product. So I, I think that's absolutely great advice <laughs> if to anybody that is looking to start their own line or looking to start up anything, just make sure that you're passionate about it. So I think that's great. So you had a connection with nail polish. So it was like, let's start a nail polish line. What was the process for you to get the line started? Yeah, so the process was a lot of research. So um, like I mentioned before, then there it was, I mean, obviously the internet was at our fingertips. So for me, it was really just being able to find a manufacturer. That was kind of like my first due diligence. But before that, so let me back up. But before that, I you know shared with my family um that I want to start a nail brand. They're like, okay, this is exciting. Where are you gonna start? What are you gonna do? And my uncle. Um, he used to work for Wall Street and he had a co he had a co-worker who now she started kind of her own organization helping startups, right? Raise capital, pitch competitions, all that good stuff. He lives in New York. So I was going back and forth to New York to watch founders pitch. And I would take notes like, okay, this is how they started their brand. This is how you pitch. This is how you talk to investors. Because I knew from the beginning I didn't want to have a quote unquote small business. And it's important to recognize, do you want to have a small business or do you want to have a startup? Because those are two different routes, right? Startup is raising capital investors, 
building and scaling a team and you might want to have an exit or you might want to acquire or you might want to go to uh, IPO, right? Having a small business is, is extremely different. You might just be in your local community. You know, you're not really looking for investors. You're kind of just looking to have some longevity in that business. So for me, I kind of knew what route I wanted to take. I wanted to be a startup. I wanted to raise capital. So I started there. I started watching other entrepreneurs, hearing their stories and seeing what they did. So then I took that information back. And I did a lot of research on manufacturers and I knew that I wanted to scale in retail. So I knew I had to find a manufacturer that had all the cert certifications, all the license, all their certificates, because that's important when you get into retail. They want to make sure that your product is basically like quality and you have all your certificates. Um, so I did a lot of research. I did a lot of testing and I gave all the products to my friends. And at the time I lived above um, this black woman. She owned an all natural nail salon in Boston. And I gave her the, the samples and she's like, oh my God, this is great. This product is like top-notch quality. This is better than some of the products I have here. Let me buy all them from you. And that's how I knew this was a great product. She bought all the samples didn't have any labeling on it, nothing. It was just pure samples. And she was like, I want these. And that's kind of how I knew like I'm onto something great. But I did a lot of research. Like I said, I gave out a lot of samples. And I really watched other founders and see how they navigated the space to learn from them. That's great um, that you were able to watch other founders, you know, do pitches and understand how that works so that you could properly prepare. So how did this help you moving forward with your business? Yeah, this helped me because it set expectations. <laughs> um, I kind of like had the expectations of like, what was to come and you know, every founder has a different journey. I will say that. And I know there's a lot of stigma around, obviously, if you're wealthy, it's a little bit easier. I would say yes. <laughs> and if you're not wealthy, it's a little bit harder. And, and that's true, right? Um, so I understood my journey is going to be a little bit different than other founders that I'm looking at, right? So I kind of have to align myself with like, okay, this brand and this founder sounds similar to like what my journey will be like, right? So what are the expectations? Like expectations are that I might not raise capital off the bat, right? This is a beauty brand. This is at that time, there was really no quote unquote value in diversity, right? Diversity of beauty products, right? So I understand that I'm entering a space that's unfamiliar to the market right now. So I might not raise capital off the bat. I don't come from money, right? So now I have to bootstrap from my nine to five paycheck to my company. So now I have to compare like, um, you know, what are the risks, right? Like opportunities have to outweigh the, the risks. So now I have to kind of like set aside money from that to like, you know, bootstrap, you know, sampling, getting a website, getting a designer, all that good stuff. So it kind of allowed me to set expectations for myself and not just, you know, nowadays we live in this Instagram world where people put their sunglasses on and just think this is how people live and being like an entrepreneur is like glorified, but it's a lot of hard work. And it's not just, People don't just roll out of their bed and they're millionaires the next day. Like if you ask them like, hey, you're going to hear like, oh, I started this like years ago or I had another business and I pivoted. Like it takes a lot of hard work. And I think for me, it's set direct expectations like, OK, this is not going to be an overnight sensation. And if it is great, thank you, God. But if it's not, is this something that I'm willing to like stick through um, till the end? Well, till I get to a certain point where I'm ready to like either exit, sell or, you know acquire another business. So for me, it kind of really like level set and where I wanted to be and what I was going to have to do to be a successful founder. Great. So you, you went to a manufacturer, 
you played around trying to figure out what products to use. You live above this lady. She loves the product. She buys everything. So now um, you understand you've been watching other entrepreneurs pitch. You got that down. What how long did it take you to actually launch? Like when did you launch and how long did it take you? And what was that process like? Yeah. So um, I think the first thing I did was I got a so, okay. So after I sold my products to her, you know, then I was like, okay, this is great. So I developed a website and let me be transparent. I had before ought to be, there was less V cosmetics, right? So that was from 2016 to 2018, right? So this is like me very early on learning from just how to start a beauty brand. Um, so during that time, it was like trial and error, like, you know, starting a website, you know, learning how to like not overproduce products, right? Because when you first start, you're like, oh, I'm going to order like, you know, 5,000 units. And your hopes is that people are going to buy everything, but it doesn't work like that, right? Um, so for me, there was this program called SCORE, which I recommend to everyone, whoever is listening and is interested. It's a free mentorship program. So in Boston, they have, I think it's everywhere in the United States, I want to believe. Um, so I, yeah, I got a mentor from SCORE and he basically was like, this is what you're going to have to do. So I did reach out to peers in my community because as a first time entrepreneur, you don't know, like you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I know a lot of people say like, oh, I tried this and I feel there are things that you're going to try. and You're going to feel on your own. But I think to get you started, you really want to have some type of mentor, some type of guidance to allow you to understand what you need to do next. Right. So I knew I had to get the website. I started doing local pop-ups in my community. I started traveling back and forth to New York because at that time, New York was the hub for, I want to say Black-owned businesses, right? Like at that time, Boston didn't, Boston still doesn't really have that vibe. Sorry, Boston. <laughs> but New York has a better vibe of supporting, um, you know, Black founders. So I would travel back and forth to New York and do pop-ups and trade shows and things of that sort. So for me, that was like, it, immediately, that's what I did. Once I had my website, I just started doing pop-ups. Because brand exposure and brand awareness is like key, right? So even if someone doesn't buy the first time they see you, maybe they buy the second or third time, like, oh, oh my God, I see this great brand. They keep popping up over and over again. It's like familiarizing yourself within your community. So that was really like key for me. Um, and then we decided to pivot. And after I had that experience from Lesby Cosmetics, um, I got a lawyer because I knew what we wanted to rebrand and add technology to the brand. And um, I got a lawyer and she was like, okay, you need to change your name. Lust is too oversaturated. The name is not um, unique. So you're going to have issues if you're really trying to like be this beauty conglomerate, you're going to have trouble. So mm -hmm. she was like, get an arbitrary name. And arbitrary just means like a kind of a made up name, something that's super unique that you created on your own. So that's how we developed ought to be. It was something very unique to like my personal experience and what I wanted to see for the brand. So once we rebranded and we came up and I started Auto B, because of the trial and errors that I had with Lust, I knew exactly what to do. It was like, get a website, start your social media, start reaching out to people, join accelerator programs, do pop-up shops, do brand awareness, do giveaways. Like it was kind of like a second nature because I had already been through those trials and tribulations with Lust, but it was, it was the same product. The only thing is we just rebranded the name. And I think it was kind of like the perfect storm. We were getting into a place where everyone was talking about clean beauty and diversity. And I think it was just a good mixture, right? And it was like perfect timing for me. But 
I had already been doing this a few years back, just under a different name. And no one, no, like, it's like no one, no one even realizes that it's the same thing. So. So when you started previously with the other brand, was it nail polishes as well? Or was it a different cosmetic product? No, it's the same product. It's just a different Ooh. name. So I rebranded A, because the lawyer said the name was too oversaturated and I didn't want to have issues. And then B, we were doing beauty and tech. So it was like, we're going to change the name anyways. And then she was like, yeah, if you're going to do beauty and tech, don't even bother with the name Lust because you don't want to even go to courts. Like it's cheaper for you to change a business card change your website and just sell your product, get rid of the products, do like a blowout sale. Right. So that's what we did. Um, so lawyers are very good and insightful and it was a free consultation that she told me that. So I didn't have to pay her for that conversation either. So it's good to kind of have people in your corner. And these aren't people that I knew. I just reached out. I just emailed, like some people are willing to help small business owners because they've been there themselves. So she, this was like free consultation. She gave me, and she's like, definitely change your name. You're rebranding. You don't want to end up fighting people off for that name lust. There's just too many people in the space with that name. So that was kind yeah, of, I would name. agree with that for sure. Yeah. So now that you have the brand and you got Auto B, now you've switched over, you you're doing a relaunch or rebrand. What you, so it seemed like you came out of nowhere. Nobody knew about this other brand before the Lux brand. And now they're all excited about Auto B. Tell us what that was like. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was kind of funny. Um, and I think it's almost like human nature, humans kind of, I don't know how to explain this. Um, I don't know if it's a social media error thing, but humans gravitate towards kind of like after you're already on, then they support. So there's yeah. obviously people who know like, Oh, she just rebranded and you know, they were genuinely a part of the journey. But I think now, since we're getting more press and more exposure, it's kind of like, oh my God, there's this brand. I'm like, hello, where have you guys been at? This has always been around. But I also think it's the um, the space that we're in today and not just the whole supporting diverse brands, just being clean beauty. And that has been a new conversation versus back then, it wasn't really a topic of conversation and no one really understood the difference between being a clean beauty brand versus a regular beauty brand, pros and cons. And now we're kind of moving into a different space where people have more transparency, right? Brands are showing like their ingredients, pros and cons. We have influencers now. So now things are getting exposed, right? Before it was kind of, you know, we're in a space where corporate was controlling beauty brands. Now we're in a space where humans are controlling beauty brands. So now it's just a different level of connection and expectations that I think that's what's making the brand blow up more than it did before, because I don't know if it just was the expectation that, you know, you're a small brand, you might not be capable. And now we're seeing all these small brands go from small to giant. So it's like, wow, this person might be really on the, the trajectory and I want to be a part of this. Um, so I think that's kind of where the glow is coming from. And obviously the press and humans follow press. So I think that's like a combination of, of things. So you talk about clean beauty and with clean beauty, what made you decide to go that route? Because reason why I say that with nail polish, I know that can be hard. Um, I've, I've talked to other brands that have cleaner nail polish brands. And I know there's a lot of toxic chemicals with the nail polishes. So it's, it seems like you started with a harder 
product. You know, you got nail polish on top of that, something you're trying to do cleaner than what it normally is. What was that process like, you know, deciding to start a clean nail polish brand and how has it been going so far? Yeah, so the clean was, um, it was kind of something that I always wanted to do, a clean beauty brand. Um, especially growing up as, um, a woman of color, I think a lot of us are not exposed to healthier options growing up in an inner city. I'll speak for myself. Um, it's kind of one of those things, um, out of sight, out of mind, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. We have like the highest, like, you know, like our health, we have the highest health issues, diabetes, all these slew of health issues. And it's not because we're choosing these. This is like what we have in our community. And this is also, um, it's, you know, from socioeconomic status and it also is education piece, right? So I think just people are not educated about why clean beauty products are better than non-clean beauty products, right? And then there's also a stigma. The, the whole thing is a stigma. If it's a vegan product or it's clean, it's not going to be fashion forward. It's not going to be luxury. It's going to be dull. It's going to be boring. And that's not true. So with Auto B, we're really changing that narrative. Hey, this is a non-toxic vegan beauty product, but we're still luxury. We're still doing New York Fashion Week. We're selling your Vogue, your Essence. We're everything that this other product is, but just clean. And why is this product better? Because it's for your health, right? So like we need to focus on it's not only your external beauty, it's your internal as well. Because if your inside is ugly and unhealthy, the external doesn't matter, right? So I think there's a there's an education piece that needs to be talked about more. Um, and then also just realizing that we can change the narrative. Like I'm in control. I decide what products I'm going to carry. I decide who's going to be on the forefront of our marketing. And I think a lot of the clean beauty brands at the time were not tailored towards women of color. Um, and women of color didn't know about them. So um, for me, it wasn't as hard. It was kind of a natural thing to just talk about why clean beauty products are more important. And it's, it's, it's important. So after five seconds, when you apply nail polish, it goes into your bloodstream, right? Because our nails are called porous. So anything that goes on your nails after five seconds, your bloodstream absorbs it. And, and obviously in um, regular beauty, pro regular nail polish, there's formaldehyde. Formaldehyde is used to embalm dead bodies. So if you think about it, would you want formaldehyde in your body if you're not dead? <laughs> like I just say, it's just simple like that. Um, so I think there's a huge miscommunication around education and the stigma that clean beauty products are not fashion forward and luxury. And that's what people like. People like fashion forward and luxury. Um, so I think just changing the narrative and focusing on our marketing and branding really allows people to shop the brand. And then sometimes they fumble and like, oh, this is clean beauty. I had no idea. I just shopped it because I love the color. And that's kind of like what we want to get to. It's like being able to experience something outside of your norm, but before we haven't had the chance to do that. Great, great. I didn't even realize that it was only five seconds, Sam. <laughs> five, yeah, five seconds. seconds. So is wow. your, face. your face is like five seconds too. I, your face might be less, but basically your whole body is like very short time span before it absorbs products. Wow. I didn't realize into your bloodstream. Yeah. I did not realize that at all. So that's some great information. I was actually going to ask you, I think you might've already shared it. What separates your brand from the rest? 
Yeah, well, I'm going to say this, and I haven't said this in a while. I think, A, me being the founder. <laughs> so I, I think it. everyone is different, right? Like everyone has their strengths and has their weaknesses, but I kind of know what where my strengths are and who I am as a founder and where I want to take ought to be. And I always talk about, we're not just a beauty brand. We are a company that is going to change the future for a lot of people of color. I come from a corporate background where I was the only one at the table, in the conference room, on the Zoom calls, all the time, right? And it's like you carry the weight of every Black person on your shoulder in every meeting you attend. And it's like, newsflash, I only represent myself, right? But you carry that weight because you don't want to, you want to set the the record straight and make a clear path for someone who's coming behind you, right? And you always have to show up 10 times better, even though you're a human, you're just like your, your white counterpart sitting next to you, but you have to show up in that suit with that straight face, making sure everything is right to the T. But with Ought to Be, I wanna create a company where people can show up and be their best self, right? Like I mentioned before, not tolerated, celebrated. You can come to work and share your ideas and they're not looked at as, you know, oh, she's picking. They're looked at as, oh my gosh, she's so excited. She's collaborative, she's creative. And I think a lot, I'm not gonna speak for the brand, but for me, it's more about just a beauty brand. It's about creating a company for the future where people can show up and be their best selves at work and make money and be happy and have a successful career where you're not stressed or strained because you're a person of color. Um, and that is a bigger picture to me because I've been in those spaces before where I wasn't celebrated and I felt like I was tolerated and I had to be 10 times better when it's like my counterpart doesn't have to do that. My counterpart can be a human and I have to be a superhuman. Mm -hmm. a superwoman, a strong black woman. And I always say that I'm not superhero, superhero. I'm not a superwoman. I'm just a woman. That's it. Right. And I think we need to remove those stigmas associated with ourselves as well, because we only can do as much as the next person. Right. We just happen to be so talented that we do more, <laughs> but <laughs> we are humans. Right. Um, so for me, that's what I think makes our brand stand out. And on top of obviously being clean beauty, fashion forward, really changing the narrative, having our technology component, allowing women of color to try on the products in real time, maybe allow themselves to try something that's different outside of their comfort zone because typically we're used to four to five shades. On average, if you go to a store, there's going to be, besides Fenty, there's going to be four to five shades that you could possibly fit that might allow you to feel happy and like this shopping experience was a success right well with ought to be allowing our technology you can have the experience like wow i never tried this blue or this purple this red before let me try it on so it opens more doors to allow us to experience beauty and be more creative with our you know get more um in tune with our creative side which we haven't had the opportunity to have before and that's great so is there an app that you have in order to try it out how do you do that yeah, so we're working on the app. It's going to be an app that you can download on your phone. And hopefully in the future, when you visit the stores that we're in, there'll be a kiosk and you can literally just scan your hand and try on the product in real time. Just that simple. Um, so I know nail polish is one of those hard things. People might wear acrylics or they already might not have their nails done, right? So you're like, oh, I want to try this, but I want to mess up my nails. You can try it on over your real nails digitally in real time and find the best fit for you. And as we continue to roll out additional beauty products, we'll continue to roll out additional features to fit that as well. So for example, lip gloss, you'll be able to try on different lip, lip shades with your lips, right? 
because we have different undertones. Some of us have more pink pigment, browner pigments. Um, so it's important that we just find colors that reflect us. Hey, it's Brandy Taylor, the business coach for beauty professionals. I help beauty pros amplify their business and take more action. I am super excited to share the Beauty Pro Mastermind with you, a group for serious beauty pros who want to find ways to continue to thrive in their business, a safe place for support, accountability, and education. This group is for beauty professionals who are ready for change in their business, understanding that commitment is required to achieve your goals. You know you need to make a move, but you're unclear and need an extra push. My mission is to empower beauty professionals and equip them to achieve their goals, bringing beauty and business together through support, education, and business resources. Register today for the Beauty Pro Mastermind at IamBrandyTaylor.com and just click on Beauty Pro Mastermind. I will also include the details in the show notes. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So you do plan to expand the brand as well. We do. Yes. And I'm so excited. Um, and I think it's going to be great. So yes, we do plan to expand the brand. We just haven't had the opportunity because I really want to focus in on really building what we had a solid foundation. Um, so we can have enough funding to curate, um, you know, bigger and better. So we're all about quality over quantity. (laughs) So yeah. Great, great. I think that's awesome. So let's talk about it because you've made some great strides. Now you started this brand in 2016, right? And so you've made some great strides since then. I see you have a partnership with Nordstrom. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so um, we're in Nordstrom. So we're available on Nordstrom.com. We haven't rolled out to stores as of yet. Um, So anyone who uh, wants to shop, it's on Nordstrom.com. And when we first got in Nordstrom, I was so excited. And I'll tell this, I just told this story um, this morning, um, but I did a trade show back in 2018. So this was Lust. Remember, it's the same product, same bottle, same cap, same everything. The only dif- difference was the name. But, you know, this is back in 2018. And a lady said to me, oh my God, you'll never get a retail at that price point. You'll never, a retailer will never pick you up. And I was so crushed that she would even say that to me. I'm like, okay, but I never took it personal. I was like, you know, maybe that's her experience. Maybe that's what she experienced throughout her lifetime because she was a more mature woman. And, you know, sometimes people's experience taint the future, taint other people's future. And I never was the person to really take other people's circumstances and put them on my own because I knew what I was capable of, right? And so for me, when I got into Nordstrom, I was so excited. And then I found out that I was a first black owned brand, black owned nail polish brand. So that was even more exciting. And for me, it was more like, wow, this is great. We're in 2021. This is the first black owned nail polish brand. I'm super excited, but I hope this opens doors for other, for Latinas, for Indian, for Middle Eastern, just on this journey and wants to be a part of luxury stores. And it's just kind of a signal that what that lady said to me years ago, if I let that affect me, I wouldn't be here now, right? So when I had that conversation with Nordstrom and I was introduced to the buyer, I would have had, um, I think they call it, I can't even think of the name, but essentially like you feel like you're inadequate, like you're not enough, but I didn't have that. syndrome. Exactly, imposter syndrome, yes. I would have had that because of what somebody else told me about what was gonna be for my future, right? Um, so I think it's just a lesson learned, like anything is possible. You just have to really work hard, be patient, but overall I was so excited and I just hope it opens more doors and more opportunities for other women of color, not just myself. Right. First of all, congratulations. 
because that is huge to get your product in Nordstrom. I mean, you want, if you want a Lux, if you have a Lux brand, you definitely want to have it carried there, right? It's, right. it's fitting for your brand and everything. So I think that is awesome. And I'm glad you're the first. And I just, you know, you being the first lets other people know that it's possible for them. And maybe that person who talked to you, she didn't think it was possible for her to charge higher prices on whatever she was selling at that trade show. And maybe that wasn't her time and it wasn't a time for it. But now more doors are opening for people like me and you. And I'm glad to see that Nordstrom is finally, you know, opening up for more minority brands to, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to get in their stores and get on their website. That's a huge accomplishment for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. So where is it carried um, anywhere else? I know it's carried on your website as well. Um, Where else could they find the products? Yeah, so right now it's on our website, Nordstrom.com. We're working on other retailers, so more to come. Just stay tuned, sign up for our newsletter if you want to hear more. But yeah, so we're working on other retailers. We hope um, by the summer and towards the end of Q4, we'll be in other doors um, because I want people to experience. I want people to go in a luxury store, a retail store, and be like, wow, this is for me, by me. This this is inclusive of me. This wasn't an afterthought. Um, and I think if I wasn't a founder, I would want to work for a brand that was a part of that, right? A part of this movement and this curation. So I think it's just going to be a really special experience for people being able to shop luxury brands that is by a woman of color in those stores where typically we're not seen, right? Um, and I think it's just going to create um, a different vibe and a different feeling for people to feel confident in themselves, right? To feel seen um, because we haven't been seen for a long time in beauty. Um, so having that experience and for other customers to see like, wow, okay, I see this. This is important. Like they are doing something. And I think that's important too, for other cultures to recognize, like we are here, like we have arrived and we will continue to rise to the occasion. Great. What advice would you give someone looking to start their own nail care brand? I would make sure that you're starting it for the right reasons and making sure that you're passionate about it. And I always say, a lot of people will say like, oh, beauty is so oversaturated. Okay. There's tons of beauty brands, but when you go to Walmart or Stop and Shop or Whole Foods, you go down the bread aisle. How many loaves of bread are there? Like if you really think about it, But all those breads are so successful because there's a certain customer for each bread, right? Like there's a store brand, there's Fretford, there's Arnold's, and everybody buys those brands for different reasons. So just because the space is crowded, don't feel like as don't feel like there's not enough room for you. There's enough room for everyone, but you have to make your mark and you have to make your fit and your customers and they will find a way and you will find a way to fit towards that customer segment. So that's one thing I would say is like, don't be discouraged. Um, because I, I know a lot of people say like, oh, you know, the beauty industry is so oversaturated. Why don't you just start another startup in like food or something where it's like, if that's not your passion, don't do that. It just might be a little bit harder. It might be more work, but if you're very passionate about starting a brand, um, just go for it. And also I would say about the nail industry, it's, it's tricky, right? Um, because you have these powerhouses like OPI and SE and people love them. People remember the color names, okay? So 
you just have to really be unique in your space and really find something that sets you apart um, and just go for it. Like, that's the only thing I can say. It's, it's a unique space and just go for it and, and know what you stand for and always have ideas to be more creative and more innovative than the next. And those giants are always going to be there, but you may be a giant one day. So I would say no fear of other brands. You can always inspire to look up to them, to be them, to, you know, take inspiration for them, but don't ever let them tremble like what you're doing. I think that's some great advice for sure. I think that is some great advice because first of all, the first thing you said was make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Me being in the beauty industry for a long time, I know people can sometimes want to get into this industry because it looks like a lucrative industry. yeah it looks good right, right? <laughs> it looks fun it looks like you can make a lot of money let's go into beauties but yeah. make sure you're into it for a lot for the right reason and right. make sure you're really truly passionate about it and as well as even though the, i do i can't say you can say the beauty industry is kind of saturated but I love what you said earlier what separates your brain is you and that's what's going to separate everyone else's brand Mm -hmm. It's them. And if they put their personality, their mission on it and everything, that's what's going to make it different. And people are attracted to who they know, like, and trust. And so don't be afraid to just step out. Don't have fear. Just do it. No matter how saturated it is, if it's something that you're truly passionate about, you should definitely do it. But I think that was some great advice for sure, Sam. Right. Thank you. Awesome. So what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? I think the biggest lesson I've learned was to stay true to who I am. Um, and when I first started this journey, I was an introvert. I didn't like to talk to people. I didn't like to share my experience or my ideas. But like you mentioned before, I think people connect to you first and second the brand. People shop because they trust in the founder and their values and what they're providing to their customers versus the product. Um, so I think some, uh, sorry, you said the biggest challenges and like what I've learned. Um, I think one of the challenges was also, sorry, bootstrapping. So bootstrapping the company was very hard because like I mentioned before, I was juggling a nine to five um, and trying to build a beauty brand. So you're going to have these obstacles that are going to take you away um, from building your startup. But I think you have to like really stay headstrong and focus and understand there are going to be trials and tribulations. There's going to be a lot of lows and you're going to have highs. And I think it's important to ride those highs as long as possible. Um, I'm the type of person who I don't really celebrate my highs. And I'm just learning how to do that because for me, I'm like, okay, great. What's next? And I think a lot of founders do that because like, okay, great, great. We got this one, but like we need this one and this one and the next one. And it's good to just like appreciate what the moment because once you get to that low, you're going to be low maybe for the next few months. Um, and you have to be in a very positive space to move forward, to continue to grow your brand. So I think learning lessons for me is like, you're going to have to step outside your comfort zone. That's super challenging. If you're an introvert, like learning how to connect with customers, learning how to share your personal experiences and journeys, being vulnerable. That was a challenge because I'm very closed off, but now I'm a totally different person than I was five years ago. 
Um, and then bootstrapping, knowing that, okay, my nine to five paycheck is only going to be able to pay my rent, pay my car note, pay my mortgage. And I can't experience those fun times like my friends, right? My friends are over here working nine to five, doing all this fun stuff, but I have to take my additional money and I need to put it through to my business, right? And you'll have your moments where you can celebrate at a different capacity, but being able to recognize your journey and where you're going is a little bit different um, from others. I love that. I love how you talked about celebrating small wins. I want to talk about that briefly because too often we, in times we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Most times we don't celebrate our small wins. We're always, especially as entrepreneurs, we're always striving to get to the next, the next. And we're always trying to keep things afloat and, and then move towards the next thing. And we're working on this. And what are we working on this month, this quarter, this quarter? So there's always something to work on, something to do. And I think that's why we forget to celebrate the small wins. Like, oh, wow, I hit my sales goal this week. Oh, that's great. And then we just keep moving. Right. No, that is awesome. Let me go get my favorite mocha latte or whatever. Right. Because I've hit, my, you know, even if it's go get my nails done or something. Right. Or buy my favorite nail polish from Auto B. I need to do something, right? Right. And so I started, I started to do that myself. Like, we just had our 100 episode celebration for the podcast. And I thought it was a great milestone. Like, we've been going at this for 100 episodes let's celebrate it so I'm making a conscious effort to celebrate more so even as I think sometimes people think like they have to do this big grand thing but if you hit a goal I don't care how small it is but if it was a goal that you need to hit and you hit it celebrate it like I said whether it's just getting your nails done buying your favorite drink or just saying yay and really just taking the time to bask in it and you know acknowledge it really acknowledging the win. And I think because what happens is we're always waiting for this big grand thing to happen to celebrate that we're going to walk around miserable, angry people because we can't celebrate yet because we're waiting for everything to get so big. But what do you do on the journey? So that's why you should celebrate the small wins and enjoy the journey, right? Right, exactly. And congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. But I think that was was some... uh, that was some great tips to being true to yourself. Been there too. I, I encourage everyone. That's the thing. Be true to yourself because everyone else is taken. Be you, do you, right. and you're going to feel comfortable. Anytime you step out and you're doing things that's not, you know, within the frame of what you would do is not being true to you. That's when it feels icky. And if it feels icky, don't do it. Right. So I love, I love that for sure. For sure. So how do you define success? Oh my God, no one has ever asked me this before. Um, How do I define success? I think success, so I think I define success in two ways. I think, you know, monetary, like obviously the more revenue you're getting, the more sales, that's great. But I think if you want to take out, set aside the monetary, I think success for me is defined by our growth and the exposure that we're getting and the brand awareness and me growing as a founder. So for me, it has to be both. It has to be my business is growing and I'm growing as a founder because those two for me are parallel with one another. Because if my brand's growing and I'm not growing as a founder, I'm not winning, right? Because I have to be in control of this, this, the ship. Um, but I don't know if there's anything tangible that I can really say. And I don't think I've really thought about this. 
I don't think I really thought about this. Um, but I would say growth for me is considered success, but it's hard because I am that person who just started celebrating my wins. So if someone's like, oh my God, you're, you're so successful. I'm like, I have so, I don't think I'm at a space where I would say I'm successful. I don't think that that's the space that I personally feel I'm in. I'm sure other people look from the outside in, but I'm striving for so much bigger that I have a hard time even saying this is successful. Um, so I never thought about that question. I don't really know how to answer it. Um, besides like, you know, I do look at the growth and our brand awareness and our press, but I always tell people too, press does not equal sales or success. Okay. <laughs> because if that was the case, we would be millionaires. Um, so I think it's just a continuous growth. And I think also, I, I want to say customers. When I hear customers feedback, for me, that feels like a success. I think when I see customers like share and tag us, or I see somebody somewhere, they're like, oh my God, you're the founder. I love your nail polish. I think that's the moment that I'm like, wow, this is doing really great. But I don't ever say this is a success because I'm striving for this bigger, grand thing um, that isn't tangible yet. But I think my customers, when I see them, and to give feedback, that makes me really happy. And that makes me know that I'm on the right path to a successful brand. That answered your question. <laughs> no problem. I think sometimes it's hard for everybody to define it. And I've seen, I've talked to people, Sam, who were multi-million dollar companies say, I haven't reached it yet. And you're like, really? So I think everyone feels that way when it comes to success. I feel like success is something that you have to define for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you have to really know what truly makes you happy and what you truly want. And that's when you can really say what success for me is. Um, but uh, sometimes I think people don't say that they're successful because it feels like if I say I'm successful, then I'm done. Right. Because I'm always striving for more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always striving for more. So I think that's why sometimes it can be a hard question because how, it depends on really how you define it, define it, and everyone defines it differently. Yeah. But to me, it's just like a peace of mind, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, just like you know, just having you know, family, love, right. not having to worry about bills and everything. That would be success. And I was reflecting the other day, and I was thinking, like, you've achieved a, a level of success. I'm not where I want to be yet. Like I'm always trying to get to the next level, mm -hmm. but I have achieved a level of success and I had to sit back and even learn how to celebrate that there. Right. So, so that's common. Most of us struggle with celebrating our small wins or just even patting ourselves on the back. But I encourage you and everybody listening to do that, to, you know, figure out what it is for you that's going to make you feel successful and strive for that. And then even in between, as you're on your way to that level of success, pat yourself on the back, get your, get your mocha latte or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is for you, but definitely pat yourself on the back. And, and, and it's just success is what you make it. It's, it's not a certain number amount. It's not living in a certain house. It's, it's whatever it is for you that's going to make you happy and make you feel successful. That's what I think that it is. Yeah, that's great. I have to, I have to jot that down and get back to that. Cause I, I've never thought about that. 
until now until you ask the question <laughs> no problem well I'm definitely a bookie like lately I've been into the whole audiobook thing but I always ask this question Sam like what's either your favorite book or or a book that you're currently reading right now oh my god so I used to I guess you could say like pre-pandemic I used to read a lot on my flights so I would read a book of flight, um, but I haven't been reading lately. I'm getting ready to take a flight. So I will read a new book. And I actually wrote a book down that I'm going to be getting. Um, it is called, Hit, one is called Hitmakers um, and one is called Obsessed. So those are two books. I don't know the author, as bad as that sounds. I'm going to Google it. Um, but those are two books that are on my radar that I want to read. And somebody shared this with me yesterday. It's called Blinkist. Um, it's basically, it gives you cliff notes from books. So if you're interested in any books and you kind of like don't want to buy the book without reading it or want to skim through the back cover, you can listen to cliff notes and will kind of give you like a high level overview of what the book is going to be about but I guess a book that I read in the past that really inspired me and changed um I wouldn't say my mindset but I would say my more eagerness to push forward and be an entrepreneur was Rich Dad Poor Dad um I don't know if that's so cliche because I'm sure like the book is super popular but for me I just read it I want to say like maybe three four years ago um but it really changed my mindset about just going for what you want. Um, and that book is really like wrapped around like real estate and things of that sort. Uh, but for me, it was like, this is where I'm at and this is where I want to be. And there's a huge gap and I have to get there. So I have to push myself to get there. So that book really kind of inspired me um, to kind of take the next step forward. But yeah. Great. Thanks for sharing. So I didn't ask you this earlier, but what do you think has contributed to your success thus far with Audubee? I think, well, I know my grit, my passion, and I think my upbringing has contributed to the way that I navigate and I operate, operate out of the space of abundance, right? So I grew up in the inner city, don't come for money, went to public school, like here in Boston, if you're from Boston, you know about Boston, our city schools aren't the best, okay? Um, so I always, I didn't grow up with much, right? So I kind of had like, you know, your, 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 you know, your basics, like food, shelter, my mom worked multiple jobs, so I never came from money. But I did always have a vision for wanting more. And my mother always said to me, I want you to be better. I want you to grow up and do better. And I think her sharing that with me allowed me to say like, okay, even though I'm in this circumstance, this doesn't have to be my outcome. And I feel like a lot of people who come from poverty, you really get kind of tied up in your community. And um, it's hard for you to break out of that because it's a, it's a systemic thing, right? So our graduation rate from our high school is like, 30%, okay? And most people who graduate do not go to college. And then most people who do go to college don't finish college. So there's literally like, I could probably count on my hand, 10 people from my graduating class who actually graduated from college. So I feel like for me, there was no obstacle that I couldn't achieve being an entrepreneur. So where most people, if you kind of come from, you know, a little bit of stability, 
um, and a little bit of money. Struggles are hard. But when you come from struggles, struggles are struggle. It's kind of like your second nature. So there was nothing that I knew that was going to be able to be stacked against me that was going to basically discourage me from continuing to be an entrepreneur and succeed in this journey of building Audubee. So for me, um, I feel like that's what makes me such a great entrepreneur. And I'm going to be able to build Audubee because there's nothing that you can throw at me that I'm going to say like, oh, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to throw my hands. I'm done with Audubee. I've been poor. <laughs> so not having money is not a thing, right? You know, they always say, oh, founders need a bootstrap. And, you know, a lot of people, well, I've been poor. So that's not an issue. As long as I have food and shelter, I'm okay. Um, so there's just a lot of things that I feel like my upbringing has prepared me for in being an entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, I have tough sticks, tough skin, if, if that makes sense. So there's nothing that someone can say to me that's going to, hurt my feelings or that I haven't heard before um, because I come from a place where most people don't make it out. And most people don't even make, have a corporate career, right? Like something so basic and minimum that we as middle-class people, you know, and I'm not saying middle-class like money-wise, just middle-class being able to graduate college or be able to have a desk side job where you have health benefits and insurance and 401ks. Most people where I come from don't have that. So for me, I already knew like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make my life much better than where I come from. And I always say, don't let your circumstances define you. And I always push past that because even though I grew up there, that's not where, where my story has to end. So for me, being a founder is, it was my only option because I really want to do something different and bigger and better to show people like, from my community or little girls like me that grow up like that, like, wow, she's just like me. There's nothing different, you know? And she did it so I can too. I love it. I love it. I think that is phenomenal. And I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I've been there. I've That's been my experience. And I think that's why I fight. Like the reason why I don't lose is because I don't quit. Like. Right. <laughs> And I think the reason why I don't quit is because I've came from so many things that will make you quit. But, right. you know, I figured out something happened and I figured it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the way to surely win is not to quit. But thanks for sharing that for sure. Where do you see Ought to Be in the next five years? Oh, my God. I see Ought to Be being a successful, I guess I could say successful um, startup company with multiple beauty products, you know, full-blown technology and a place where people are excited to come to work. Consumers are excited to buy our products. And we are really changing the narrative of what being an inclusive diversity beauty brand is. And me being a founder, sharing my story, being on speaking panels, giving back, I would really love to have a foundation to help other entrepreneurs we're starting off in their journey um, and just being able to have an arm within our, you know, company to be able to give back to other entrepreneurs who kind of, you know, want to walk the same path in life. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Sam, I, I can see you achieving all of those things and even yeah. more. It has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Can you tell everybody how they can find you and your brand online? Yes. Um, well, you can find us on all our social media channels at 
Auda B Beauty. So that's A-U-D-A, B as a boy, then beauty. Um, and then you can find us on our website at www.audabeauty.com. So our website, um, all our social media handles are Auda B Beauty. Um, and you can find us there, subscribe to our newsletter. We always give out discounts, promos, tell you what's coming up next, trade shows, pop-ups. Um, and we're so excited to continue to grow and I'm going to continue to share my story and be more open and authentic with people so they can, you know, I want people to be inspired. Um, and I never thought I would say that, um, but I hope people are inspired. Like I'm, I'm not the pillar of the community, like I'm not perfect, but I hope that people can look at my journey and realize that if she can do it, I can do it. So I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on your podcast to share. And I hope everyone really gets something great and fruitful out of this um, story. I'm sure they will, Sam. I'm sure you've you've inspired many with your story and what you know what you've shared on the podcast today. So thank you so much for being here, everybody. Sam Walker, ought to be check her out. We will have all the information in the show notes. As always, stay great, and we are out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.